If you have been able to improve your child's feeding, if only just a little bit, then you have the ability to improve it even further. If you have been able to schedule your doctor's appointment and present the situation in a way that you felt heard, then you can be heard again. If you have been able to go to that testing appointment and rule in or rule out a medical condition, even though the test took longer than expected, or even though it was on a bad day, then you can do it again. If you've gone to a feeding therapy appointment and your child improved, even if it was just for this microscopic bit, then you can go to a feeding appointment and also get some kind of improvement. What I want you to focus on is fear. Here are some quotes from fear. This is the fear talking. Fear says, what if there's not much more that you're able to do? What if the rest of the feeding therapy appointments will go poorly? What if the next step will lead to some kind of unforeseen complication? What if that new food has an unlisted allergenic ingredient and your child has yet another allergic reaction? What if your child is destined to have difficulty with feeding for years or decades? What if the medical reason behind the feeding difficulties is so rare that no one will ever find it and be able to help you or your child? What if the feeding concern is a sign of a medical condition as huge, that is so devastating, and that will change your life forever? Have you felt like this? That there's not much more that you can do to help your child? That things are just overwhelming? That is a waste of time for you to keep trying? That there's no one... And that there's no use in trying because things are really not going to go your way. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're anything like me, then you almost have a voice in the back of your head that says, back off, go slow, be afraid. The voice plants seeds of doubt and negativity. It's going to tell you to back off, to be resistant to further change and to stop doing. No matter what you do, this fearful voice is going to be there. How do you get rid of the fear if the fear is going to be there anyway? We all experience fear. It's there. It's part of us. It was with us yesterday. It is with us today. And it will be with us tomorrow. How do you get rid of the fear? The lack of inertia. The difficulty in doing the next thing. Whenever I'm afraid, because I, just everyone else, gets afraid, I characterize my fear. I visualize it as this fear emoji. I picture a blue and yellow face with big round eyes as well as some downturned eyebrows and a gaping mouth. I imagine that's talking to me using all kinds of fear words and I can talk to it as well. I imagine that my fear emoji with its big face is sitting right next to me. It's a child and I need to talk to it at its level. I tell my fear emoji, hey fear, I think you're scared. And that you would love it if I would stop trying. But we will work on how you are feeling together. What if this works? What if we go to that testing appointment together and you get all of these great answers? What if you go with me to our child's next feeding appointment and it turns out to be the best appointment yet? What if that new food that we watch our child eat won't lead to any type of allergic reaction. We won't know unless we try. And we're going to try things because over time, all these things are going to make it different. I'm Dr. Evka. I'm a coach who happens to be a physician and a mom to a young child who fed reluctantly. I remember feeling so scared and alone as it was so hard for me to find the answers to my child's feeding difficulties and to improve the feeding. 
fast forwards past many doctor's visits, lots of reading, multiple certifications in various aspects of feeding, and many feeding therapy appointments as the mom, you will see a mom with a child who has come a long way in the feeding department. Life feels so much less scary. I have so much powerful knowledge regarding early childhood feeding. I have more of my life back. I created the Feeding Made Easy podcast as I want you to have actionable, simple, step-by-step strategies so that you don't have to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. If you have a young child with lots of symptoms but no good solutions regarding why feeding seems more difficult than you would expect, if you have a diagnosis but do not know where to get more good, actionable, step-by-step information, you're in the right place. Let's get learning. This is going to be such an informative episode, and at the end of it, as always, you will hear how you can get some good stuff from me for free. I hope that you stick around until the very end of this episode. Also, housekeeping issues. You already know how I identify myself as a coach and not a physician on my platform. The information on this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or prevent any type of disease. They are not intended as personalized medical advice. Any decision you make regarding your health and medical treatments should be made with a qualified health provider, and I'm not serving you in that capacity. I'm a coach sharing my personal opinions on the topic. Now let's get started. Let's start with a question. With which of these do you most identify? A, you have some questions about whether your slightly picky eater is getting enough nutrition, or you have questions regarding foods such as food allergies. B, you have a young child with all kinds of symptoms for which you have feeding concerns, but you don't know what these symptoms mean. C, you have a diagnosis or almost have a diagnosis for your child. This diagnosis can affect feeding, but you're not exactly sure what to do next or where to turn. Which is it? A, B, or C? A combination of two? All three. I'm here to tell you that no matter which of these describes you best, what I'm about to share also applies to you. Every one of us experiences fear. It's part of our brain. I imagine this as a fear emoji, but some people may refer to it as the part of the brain, the part of the hesitancy, as the lizard brain. I say lizard in quotation marks. In reality, Lizards have many of the same brain structures that we have, except that ours are bigger and we don't actually have lizard brains that are responsible for the fear. The emotional response is generated through multiple structures of the brain, not just the structures in the brain near the neck. However, for the purposes of visualization, it's good to think of the internal voice that is fearful as something that we can actually see. Whether it be a lizard or a fear emoji, it's easier to talk to and visualize a lizard or an emoji than the entire brain and all of its neurocircuitry. Today, I want to talk to you about struggling through the fear. No matter how you would describe your situations, there's going to be at least a bit of fear going on. No matter whether your fear is based upon not knowing if your child is getting enough nutrition, is about to have another allergic reaction to food, or has some major diagnosis that you just can't seem to be able to figure out yet, the fear is there. It's not the subject that seems to matter the most when it comes to fear. We all experience fear. What seems to matter more with fear is what you do with it. Some of the most successful stories regarding how caregivers help their young children's feeding challenges went something like this. The caregivers acknowledged the fear and did an action anyway. They saw 
that fear for what it was, knowing that it's just a part of their brain and decided to befriend it. They acknowledged it. They talked soothingly to it with other areas of their brains. Then with that fear fully present, they did what they needed to do most for them and their children at that moment. They acknowledged their fear and did the action anyway. In this podcast, you will hear stories about fear in the life of a caregiver with a child who has feeding concerns. You'll hear how caregivers know that there was fear, but they did what they needed to do anyway. Now, while you listen, I don't want you to just be listening. No way. Let's make this more interactive for you. Try to imagine yourself in the shoes of those whose stories I share. I want you to see the similarities in these stories. Within these stories, the same themes come up over and over again. Can you guess what those are? The caregiver often says, hey, I have fear. It's so normal for what is happening, but I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to do what I need to do on my end to get closer to these feeding-related goals. And of course, there's going to be some level of fear. Yes, of course. I know that I won't be able to control everything, and I will be afraid. For one, I can't really control my child. I can only do the best I can, and I'm going to do that despite the fear. First off, I'm going to share a story about how I kept going for doctor's visits with my child, even though I experienced some second thoughts about going for yet another doctor's visit. Many doctors seem so busy and so booked up. I felt discouraged when I heard that the wait time to see the next doctor would be a month or more from now. I feared that the doctors, who were so busy, when they saw me and my child, would not really spend the time listening before they had to go to see the next patient. After all, many doctors have only 15 minutes to see a patient, maybe 30 or more, if there's a new patient evaluation. I remember going to some doctor's visits where I felt rushed with my child. I left with more questions that I came in with, and I am a doctor. By the way, I love doctors. I'm one of them. I feel for them because many really don't have that much control over their schedule, someone else, perhaps a hospital administrator or practice owner, seems to have more control in many situations. They're really trying to do the best they can within the time constraints that they're given. Also, even though I'm a little embarrassed to share this at some point, I just started thinking that the medical knowledge base for feeding challenges in small children was so small compared to the knowledge base in some other fields of medicine. For instance, we now have all of these sophisticated tools that can look at our eyes. If we need eyeglasses, these tools can get a rough estimate of our prescription, even without us having to say anything or do anything. We don't even have to look at an eye chart. Not so with children who have difficulty feeding or where you have concern about what foods they are able or willing to ingest. If you ask a doctor for a medical explanation as to why it's so hard to get your child to eat, there's often no perfect answer and no perfect test that will give you the answer. Given that, I truly wondered what else another medical appointment or another appointment with another healthcare provider could add. I know the field has to become much more research, and it's one of the things I'm hoping to do within my platform, bring more to the field, help all of us who have a young child with whom feeding seems hard or we have concerns about food. In any case, I had fear that my child and I would go to yet another doctor's visit and be given the same answer. We really don't know. In spite of the fear that we would go for a visit only for there to be no new answers and no new solutions, I still made appointments for my child anyway. In the process of not giving in to my fear and going for these evaluations anyway, I met doctors who really listened and who cared. 
we eventually were able to get appropriate evaluation and testing, that made a big difference in terms of the diagnosis. By persisting and by seeing the appropriate specialists in the end, it helped. That's the thing. Having a child with feeding difficulties can result in you having to do things as a caregiver that you might not otherwise be doing. Feeding challenges or challenges around food in your children can take caregivers out of their comfort zone. As just one example out of many, this includes having to find time for medical appointments or therapy appointments, but fearing, especially in 2020 with the current worldwide pandemic, will COVID-19 be there? I know that COVID-19 can possibly be caught anywhere, not just during medical appointments, but just about everywhere and anywhere where you can take your child. However, there's always a fear around COVID-19 for many people. Another fear is the fear of knowing that medical bills can be expensive and not knowing how much the next bill will cost. That fear also includes having to keep a bag in your car for either visits to the emergency department, to the urgent care center, or to the doctor's clinic, depending upon your child's symptoms. It includes the fear of not knowing when the next time will be when your child develops symptoms. There are still many opportunities for fears to keep its ugly head when you have a young child with feeding challenges or challenges around food. Fear can be paralyzing. Here's something that I learned regarding the fear. In the past, I was able to have great visits with doctors. I was able to get closer to a diagnosis. I was able to get just the right feeding appointment for my child. I was able to introduce that new food without my child having an allergic reaction. I was able to get my child to grow. I was able to do these things even though I had fear at those moments too. That fear of another allergic reaction, another poor feeding day, another moment of stomach growth, another day of not knowing the medical reasons for the feeding difficulties, all that fear. That was just my lizard brain or my fear emoji trying to keep me in my comfort zone, trying to tell me not to try so hard even though this is my child. This is while other parts of my brain were saying, hey, I'm going to do everything for my child. I would walk to the ends of the earth for my child. However, the lizard brain or my fear emoji just wanted to stop me in my tracks. Despite what the rest of my brain was saying, I still had fear. I also learned that every time I do something new, every time I have a frustrating day, every time that the day doesn't go as planned, I get back to my lizard brain or my fear brain react. I've gotten used to the fear. It's a part of me. It's a part of all of us. When this fear emoji or lizard brain starts talking to me about all of its fear, I stay present with it. I take three deep cleansing breaths. One, two, and three. And I tell the lizard brain, I acknowledge you. I know that you're feeling scared, overwhelmed, like you want to flee the situation, like you just want to give up, and so on. I'm going to be present in this moment with you. And I allow myself to feel what you're telling me. However, then I give myself right back up. I write a to-do list of what I need to do. I create a step-by-step plan. Then I put it on my schedule. Yes, I need to put it on my schedule. If I don't put it on my schedule, then it just stays on my to-do list. I haven't allocated a specific day or time to it like I would if it was on my schedule. I need that schedule. Some of you might ask, hey, Dr. Evka, what time of the day do you schedule the most fear-inducing tasks? I think that's a great question, and I am reminded of the Mark Twain quote, if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do that first thing in the morning, and if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. 
I schedule for first thing a day an action that I know I'm not going to necessarily get the most pleasure out of. Yet, once it's done, that activity will no longer be hanging over my head. By just doing that thing that I at least want to do that day, I no longer have to do it. As soon as the action is finished, it's done. I no longer have to worry about starting a food trial if I've already started that day. I no longer have to worry about what will happen if I try this technique at home that I learned during feeding therapy because I've already tried it. The thought of a green, big, slimy frog is no longer lingering in my brain once it no longer has to be. And I can then put my energy into the next thing that I have to do that day. Plus, I think it's a nice start of the day to be able to pat yourself on the back and say, good job, you did it, despite the fear. Little by little, through action, things happen. However, for things to happen, action needs to go in its place. That means that you acknowledge what you're feeling and do the next best thing anyway. Sounds like a popular quote in one of my child's favorite movies, but you must go on and do the next right thing. I'll let you ponder that one for a while. In the meantime, I'm offering free stuff with my podcast. Head over to drevka.com. That's Dr. E as in eating, V as in variations, K as in knowledge, A as in action.com. I've also cross-linked the website name feedinghandbook.com to it. Typing feedinghandbook.com should get you to the same place until I figure out which name will be more prominent. Remember that this is one of the very first podcasts. I'm still trying to figure all of this out. In any case, for the free item, check out the transcript notes for this podcast on my website. At the end of them, I have included a worksheet for you regarding actionable steps you can take if you encounter so much fear. I know you have what it takes to acknowledge your fear and do an action anyway. I know this because you have taken fear or hesitancy or trepidation and done something with them before, not just in the feeding aspect, but also in other aspects of your child's life. For instance, your initial reaction when you had to clean your baby's pee or poo may have been to freeze or run away, but you persisted. You did that job for yourself, or you found somebody else who was willing to clean the pee or the poop for your child. Oh, bless that person if you found someone. Anyway, if you do those things, you move past your feelings on the subject and into action. In the same way, you can do this again. Also, just a reminder, I want to be your guide on the journey of having a child with feeling challenges or concerns centered around food. I want to know how best to serve you. If you are listening to this in the fall of 2020, just as the very beginning of the Feeding Made Easy podcast on my website under the Work With Me tab, let me know what topics you would like me to cover and whether you would like to have me talk on your podcast or vice versa. I want the world to know about our shared experiences. Thank you for spending another moment with me. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'll see you next week. I'll be here and you can be wherever it is that you happen to be on the planet. I'm looking forward to our next interaction. This is Dr. F and the Feeding Made Easy podcast.